So please come join us for that um, offering. Uh, you can do online. You can do through the website. You can do with an envelope. Lots of ways. We want to say thank you for those who are supporting what's happening here. It, we're, we're very, very grateful for that, and we've got lots of ways to help with that. Prayer cards. In the backs of the seats are prayer cards. Um, we want to be praying with you. If you have a prayer need, uh, something that's going on, grab a card, fill it out. You can drop it in the offering uh, basket. We have them here. We have them out front. You can drop them off with the um, ushers. If it's a private prayer request, simply fold it in half, and, uh, and it'll just get to the pastor's. So uh, one last thing we want to announce, this Wednesday, um, there will not be youth or uh, Awanas. Um, so uh, school's out this week, so there's no youth or Awanas. We're going to do something different in here because, um, because it's not a normal week. We're going to play the movie Insanity of God, and I've got a clip here. Um, this is in the youth. Anyone can come out. I would not suggest young kids see the movie, uh, and when you see the trailer, you'll see why. Um, uh, but we're invite, like, like to invite everybody to come out. Um, so especially if you've been involved in, in, you know, in some of the other ministries, you don't have a chance to do this with time to come in. We're going to start it at 645. We'll play the trailer for it right now. Ninety percent born in the church, raised in the church, saved in the church, married and buried in the church. will never share Jesus with another person. sit down with us and said this is the job of a missionary it was like getting in a plane in the new testament and getting off the plane in the old testament it was like i'd flown into hell we saw what what darkness was We'd seen darkness in Somalia, and all of a sudden now we saw darkness up front and personal in our family. But we, um, we had no idea what was coming. Out of the ashes of, of Somalia and after the death of our son, we were compelled to return to some of the toughest places uh, in the world for the gospel. There was something we needed to know. Is Jesus worth it? There begins uh, a pilgrimage of sitting at the feet of believers in persecution and ask them, teach us. that there is a free church and a suffering church. There's just the church.
I, lo I love that line. He said, I went looking for tools and I found Jesus. I went looking for tools and I found that Jesus was resurrected. And uh, it's, a, it's a profound movie. I uh, invite you to come out Wednesday night to see it. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a faith changer. It's one of those moments that we see what's happening in the body around the country, around the world right now, and an opportunity for us to, to contemplate the, the seriousness of our faith. So we invite you to come out on Wednesday night, 645. We're going to do that. Um, right now, Let's stand up and greet one another. Let's find somebody you may not have uh, met before and, and introduce yourself and say hi.
thank you, Jesus, for this time. Thank you for this moment. Father, I lift my hands to you. Father, in you we win. There is no loss in you, Father. That is why we are here, Father, lifting our hands up to you and thanking you for who you are, Father. For who you are, Lord. There is no one like you. There is no one that can go against you and win. Hallelujah, Father. Thank you. Who will stand against the Lord? No one can. No one will. Who will stand against the King? No one Victory, baby. 
We pray for them that they would be sta- that they would stand strong in the midst of persecution, that they would be strengthened, they would be there would be provision for them, they would be enabled. And Father, we pray for our persecutors, as the word says, that they would go from being persecutors to propagators like the Apostle Paul. We lift those who are carrying the gospel to every corner of this earth, those who are taking the word to every uh, every place especially to those places where they've never heard before. Father, we pray for those this morning in in our midst who are in need of healing. We praise you and thank you for touching with the light and the power of the Holy Spirit, your healing hand. Continue to lift Annie before you, Annie and Larry. We we thank you for Kathy Rice. We pray for for Sally. We lift those before you who who we know are in the midst of hospice and hospital care. We, we thank you for the testimony of Shu and what's going on in his life. Continue to lift my sister and my mom before you, Pam and Alice, Lord. We, we pray for May for a clean bill of health. We thank you for Emerson, healthy birth of Emerson. Pray for Tyler and Jordan as they're traveling. We lift those who are traveling, all who are traveling this morning. Pray for Pastor Zeke and Drea on their trip. Father, we thank you for those who protect us, who keep us. Pray that you protect them and you keep them. Give them wisdom. Be your supernatural protection. Father, we, we pray for the, the services this morning. The connect groups for Spanish service all that's happening here this morning. Lord, in this we lift Pastor Terry before you in the message that he has. May it come from your heart. May we hear what it is that you would desire to speak to us. May we be open to hear your word this morning. We bless you. We thank you for these moments that we have to share together in community and in communion with one another. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. guys can go ahead and have a seat. Welcome. It's good to see each and every one of you here today. I want to start off by saying thank you to those of you that were uh, part of Pastor Victor's celebration yesterday and hung around and helped serve and helped clean up. Uh, uh, You've got a a jewel in your crown. Uh, Thank you so much for for doing that. It was a... uh, it was an awesome, awesome service. The kids are released now for uh, Children's Church. Um, this is a day that the Lord has made. And we're, we should be very, very glad that he made this day uh, for us and for him. As we approach the Easter season and Resurrection Sunday, Uh, God just put on my heart that we need to spend a little time talking about prayer. Uh, You know, prayer is all in the Bible. And what we're going to touch on today is only just scratching the surface about prayer. Prayer is absolutely critical in our life. Prayer is a conversation that we have with God. And so I'm going to go through many scriptures today. Some of them will be up on the screen. If you want to know all of them that we touch on today, just shoot me an email and I'll send them all all to you. But 
Um, again, this is not certainly a message that will cover everything concerning prayer. I encourage you to get into God's word and read what his word says and what he puts in your heart about communicating with him. So I want to start off and want to talk about Daniel. Uh, Daniel made his prayers like a conversation with God. When we talk with someone, we exchange information, we exchange ideas. By exchange, this means that we have given ideas and that we receive ideas. Given is speaking and receiving is listening. I don't know about you guys, but I think we do such a much better job of speaking than we do of listening. You know, when somebody says, I have an idea, how often do we hear part of that idea and then we have a better idea? And we want to tell them what we can do to help them with a better idea. That happens to us with God. God will put something on our heart and say, I need you to do this. And we may take the first three steps with God and then suddenly we go, you know what, God, I got this. And we step away from the instructions. Prayer is intended to be a moment when we come before God and exchange words with him. But most importantly, we listen to him. And we should offer adoration, confession, and gratitude and petitions. But we must listen to what he has to say to us. Prayer is communication with God. One day in a church in, in England, a man was praying out loud to the Lord during prayer time. And he was absolutely destroying the, king, the king's English. And a lady that was sitting just a little bit down from him, she was just absolutely appalled. And this was the worst grammar and articulation that she had ever heard in her life. And she was disgusted. And when he said amen, she told him, I am disgusted that you would talk like that. And the man turned to her and looked at the woman and said, but lady, I wasn't talking to you. According to the Bible, when Daniel was exiled in Babylon, he always prayed and talked with God. Daniel 6.11 says, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before God. His prayers were not a one-sided conversation. Daniel could have been nervous about being in the lion's den. But because he listened to God's assurance, as God reassured him over and over, he was confident that God was with him. It is important to listen and to obey God. And sometimes we listen, we fall short when it comes to obeying him. We need to believe in prayer and believe that God will answer our prayers just like he did Daniel. Prayer is a manifestation of God's promise. When we pray, we let go of our frustration, we let go of our problems, and we wait for God to guide us and to help solve them. But these, this should not be the only reason we pray. We should also manifest and recall the promises in our lives. In Daniel 9, 4, Daniel says, And I prayed unto, unto the God, my God, and made my confession and said, O Lord, and great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. After confessing to God, Daniel immediately reassured himself that God keeps his covenant and is merciful. And is with him. 
And so he was reassured by God. Daniel, aside from waiting on the timing of God, which we'll talk about in a little bit, we should also be very, very active in understanding that part of manifesting the promises of God is important. When you order something online, you immediately start tracking it. Now, they tell you it'll be three days before it gets here, and they send you a little number, and you begin that same day seeing where it is, and it's in the warehouse, or it's on the truck. Or it's, and so that's a form of manifest, manifestation, and we're more concerned about our package than we are about our lives sometimes when we pray with the Lord. Prayer is also a form of praise. Daniel spent time alone with God. You can just go to the second chapter of Daniel and look in the 20th and 23rd verse, and we see that he blessed the name of God forever and ever, for his wisdom and for God's might, that God was sovereign and in control of all things, and he believed that. In the face of adversity, Daniel chose to praise God. How many times in the Bible do we see the apostles jailed We see Paul giving praise to God at a time of incarceration. We see that with Peter also. We choose to praise God all the time. Prayer is also a privilege. Prayer is not something to be crossed off your to-do list as though, you know what, I need to make sure I pray, pray with God this morning. Okay, I've done that. Daniel took prayer seriously to the point that he was willing to be seen by others that he was praying. He does this because he wants to share the delight of having this privilege that everyone may experience. Prayer may feel like a chore sometimes, but we pray because it's required of us. God wants to hear from us. He tells us to call out to him. Daniel prayed three times a day, giving thanks to God. Prayer is truly a gift, an opportunity to deepen our relationship with God. We have the opportunity to go to the throne of grace because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We can go directly to him. Prayer is a purpose. When Daniel was brought into the exile, the king attempted to disguise his identity by giving him a new name. However, Daniel understood that God had created him. And he had set him as being special. He knew, his, he knew his identity didn't, allow, didn't lie with any of the Babylonian gods, but was with God, the one who had created him. Daniel made everyone aware that he was a man of prayer. He opened his windows and showed others that he was praying. He made sure that the prayers were more of praise than of asking. In Philippians 4, 6, Pastor Mark talked about it a while ago. We hear that we're not to worry. The Bible repeats this time and time again. So I ask the question, what do you worry about? He has delivered us. He is not delivering us. He has delivered us. In everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be spoke to God. Caring and worrying does not bring a solution. Prayer brings the solution. With thanksgiving, which is an exercise of faith, Take it to the Lord. The peace of God, which is beyond, far, far beyond our understanding, keeps us close to God. 
Rumors about the future will continue to grow and people will continue to pontificate about how bad this is getting and what trouble that we're in. And if they're not in the hand of God, you will see the fear that is in their life. It is in death and being reborn that our faith shows the true worth. My life is in his hands and he is strong and big enough to hold me and you. Real quick about supplication. A lot of times we read that word and we're not quite sure what it is. And in some uh, some versions you see petitions written in there. But prayer, supplication as a prayer is a request for help from a deity. It carries a sense of awe and adoration with it. Suggesting a respectful appeal to a higher power. Although supplication may be a noun, it comes from the Latin verb mean, meaning to plead Humbly. It appears around 60 times in the Bible, depending upon the, your translation. But it should never be described as just a simple request. It bears a spirit of reverence. It bears a spirit of devotion. It's a solemn prayer to God for help. Psalms 4.1 says, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have revealed. Relieve me of my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. A young man sat on a park bench one morning, just crying his eyes out. Distressed, not knowing what to do. A little boy walked by him and said, Sir, what's your problem? And he explained to the little boy, he said, My brother is in prison and he sits on death row and soon will be executed. I've tried time and time again to see if I could get him pardoned. I've even come here to Washington, D.C. to see if I can see the president to beg for mercy upon my brother. But I can't get close to him. I can't get close to the White House. I much less see him. The little boy said, walk with me. He stuck his hand out, and the man took his hand, and they walked. They walked toward the White House. They walked past the guards, into the building, past the secretary, and nobody said a word. The man could not believe what was happening. He couldn't have gotten into the White House, much less inside the White House. They walked into the President Lincoln's office. The doors opened, the president stood up, looked at them as they entered, and he said to the boy, how can I help you, son? You see, the reason the man was in Abraham Lincoln's office was because he had run into the son of Abraham Lincoln. And the son wasn't going to be stopped. Now, I know they have different security today. There's Secret Service people, and Abraham Lincoln did not have those then. But you know, you cannot walk into the presence of God unless you're escorted in by the Son. That's why we pray. That's why we pray in his name. Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And then in John 16, beginning in verse 23. 
Jesus says, in that day, you will not question me about anything. And I love it when Jesus says this. He says, truly, truly. And when Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you know he can't lie. But I love it when he says, truly, truly. To me, that's pay real close attention to what he's about to say now. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have not asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. Two brothers one day were arguing over each of them's stuff. One wanted something that the brother had. If you've had a brother, you know that that goes on constantly. But they were going back and forth, and the one brother wanted something, and his brother said, you can't just take it. And so the one brother turned to his dad and said, Dad, you told us we're supposed to share. And my brother's not sharing. And the dad turned to him and said, Can you ask him if you can have what it is you desire? And he turned to his brother and said, May I borrow this? And his brother said, Yes. All you had to do was ask. When you go to an airport and you're beginning to fly, what do you have to have? Well, you have to have a ticket. But you have to have an ID. You don't get very far, do you? You see, that ID grants you access to various parts of the airport. The Father, God Almighty, authorizes the Son, and the Son authorizes the children of God to carry His ID with them, His name is their ID. Therefore, we pray based on the authority of the name of Jesus. Philippians 2.9 says, For this reason, also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which every, above every name, so that in the name of Jesus every knee will bow and those who are in heaven and on earth and under earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, we have dummied down prayer to where we want to make it a laundry list to where we go to God and say, I need these things to happen. I need this. This person needs healing. I need healing. I need more money. I need a new car. I need a break. I need a new job. And the list goes on and on. So we have dummied it down to where it's not a conversation with God because so often we don't have time to listen to God. Prayer has become like the national anthem. It's played before a football game or a baseball game. It's done before the game can start. But there's no connection between what's happening on the field and the national anthem. The national anthem doesn't bring back the memories it should bring back. The memories that Francis Scott Key had when he penned those words. It doesn't bring back the memories of the sacrifices at Gettysburg or on Omaha Beach or at Iwo Jima. It's just something we do. Isaiah 29, 13 reads, Then the Lord said, Because these people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me, and their reverence for me consists of traditional learned 
by rote. It's like the Lord's Prayer. We learn it when we're a child. We can say it by heart. But do we really understand what Jesus was saying to his disciples when he was teaching them how to pray? Do we understand the sacrifice of that prayer? You know, it's kind of like those of you that have the AAA card. You know, you use it when you're getting in trouble with your car. You have a flat and you call them. You know, you use it in an emergency. But other than using it in an emergency time, you don't plan on using it, do you? For so many, prayer is for the time of emergency only. Mark 7, beginning in verse 6, reads, Jesus is saying the same thing that was written in Isaiah. Jesus says, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines of precepts of men. The concept of prayer is closely related to that of a sheepdog. Now stay with me on this one. The sheepdog helps herd and keep the flock together. And he's on alert to do that. But when the herd is together, where does he go? He returns back to his master's feet. It's amazing to watch a good herd dog. Absolutely amazing. Their loyalty is beyond reproach. But the sheepdog is always found at his master's feet. He's there waiting for the next instruction waiting for the next opportunity to do what is in his DNA to do. That's prayer. It's abiding in the relationship with Jesus where believers stay at the master's feet, waiting for the next opportunity. John fifteen seven says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And then Colossians 4, 2 says, Devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert in it with the, an attitude Thanksgiving. Many people, or sometimes we ask, why do I pray? Second Chronicles 7.14 My people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn, their, turn from their wicked ways. Then I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal the land. We are wired. To be in communion with God. So when do we pray? First Thessalonians 5.17 says we pray without ceasing. So we pray constantly. Luke 2 in verse 36 and 37. We read about the widow who prayed for years. Faithful praying may mean a lifetime of waiting to receive an answer. Never forget God is not bound by time the way we are. Look at Abraham. God tells Abraham, I'm going to build a nation from you. Can you imagine? And maybe Abraham had that thought of, man, I'm going to have all these people. I'm going to have all these people. And he looks, and what does God give him? One son. It is years and years before God demonstrates what he meant to Abraham. We see only the present, and we only see the moment. God sees everything. We see only 
a part, a very small part of what he's doing. He sees it all. Every day consists of 1,440 minutes. Can't we give him 10 of those minutes of our undivided, sincere attention? Give it to the sovereign God that has created you, a sovereign God that has created the universe. You see, praying regularly every day is important. But also it's important as you pray, you're reading his word. Someone once said that morning prayer is the key that opens us to the treasures and the opportunities of God's mercies and blessings. And then to give thanks with evening prayer, which gives us protection under and safeguard in his name. Lamentations 3.22 says, Because the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Prayer and the Bible are linked. Effective prayer comes from prompting by God's spirit and his word. If we're learning the power of prayer, we must be spending time in prayer. Not just a plea, but more of a relationship builder with the Lord. Prayer is our greatest weapon against evil and our strongest avenue for revival. We see where there are places where there's revival going on and we're just in awe of what is going on. And we go, wow, I wish that could be here. You know where the revival starts? It starts with you. And then to your family. And then to those around you. And then to the community. And then throughout the nation and this world. Prayer is not a place. But the spirit of prayer is most important. You see, the thief prayed on the cross. Hagar cried from the desert. Jacob found the desert stones were an altar. Peter prayed in a storm-tossed ship. John Wesley rose at four in the morning and prayed. Prayed until that wooden kneeler had the imprints of his knees on it. Martin Luther prayed three hours a day. It's the spirit of the prayer that counts most. So what's the importance of proper prayer? Praise and adoration and reverence is extremely important. Remember whom you come before. The God that created all things. He created you. Be reverent in front of him. This is going to be a horrible example right now, but if you're in the presence of the President of the United States, you should be in awe of the man that has that much power. You should address him properly. If it's a general in the military, you should be in awe of his presence and what he has accomplished. So much more should we be in awe when we're in prayer with the Lord. Matthew 6, 9 says, Pray then in this way, Our Father who is art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy are you, Father. Holy. We can tarnish the name of God. We can show disrespect the way we worship, the way we take communion. 
Our desire should be to glorify the name of God by the way we live. By the way we confess and repent of our sins. And confession, by the way, folks, has to come from repentance. James 5.16, we read James links confession to prayer and Jesus is the model of prayer. Preparation must precede God's presence. Therefore, repentance is mandatory before we pray. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We should show thanksgiving when we pray. Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious in nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. God will not necessarily take away your problems, but he will carry the load for you. He wants us to experience the peace that he wants for us. That peace which is really beyond our comprehension. We don't have to understand how we experience it. We just have to understand him. There is nothing you face that is too difficult, too troubling, too fearful for God. Do not let supplication make your request too small or too big. We should intercede for others. But again, we must be repentant in our heart. We must confess our sins before we can help others. We cannot pray for someone we hate. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, first of all, then I urge you that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. And we should pray seriously. Now, I'm going to say this. I hear people say I spend a half an hour with the Lord because I pray as I drive to work. He wants more of your attention. In fact, if you were to give him the attention that he really desires, you'd probably run over somebody because you wouldn't be paying that much attention to driving. So make the time that you have with the Lord the time that you have with the Lord. Not part of something else that you are doing. What happens if we do not pray? 1 Samuel 12, 23 says, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. But I will instruct you in the good and the right way. And then in Luke 18, 1, Jesus is telling the parables about prayer. And he tells them that they should pray all the time and not lose heart. D.L. Moody summarized the need for prayer with this. Jesus never taught his disciples how to preach. He only taught them how to pray. You see, we can do nothing without him. Billy Graham said, when we come to the end of ourselves, we come to the beginning of God. Jesus prayed briefly when there were crowds around him. He prayed longer with his disciples. And when he was alone, he prayed all night long. A great prayer life is not going to end all your problems. In fact, the better your prayer life, the more of a bullseye Satan is going to put on you. He's going to want more time than you spend in prayer to be devoted to him. And he will chase after you like that lion in the night looking to devour someone. 
You see, true prayer is a way of life. Not just in the case of an emergency. It should be a joyous habit, never a burden. As a daily habit, if we do it each day, then when emergency comes about, we've already been practicing, haven't we? We're at a prayer in times of security. When things are going right, you should pray just as much as you do when things are of trouble. If we don't, you know what happens? Satan begins to convince you that you're self-sufficient. No matter how dark or hopeless a situation might seem, never, ever stop praying. Whether prayer... Whether prayer changes our situation or not, one thing is certain. Prayer will change us. You see, prayer is a privilege. Jesus died to make this communication and communion with God possible. God himself is the power that makes prayer work. And you know the sad part is, heaven is full of answers to prayers that have never been asked. Prayer discovers God's agenda. Jesus, through prayer, knew that his mission was to be obedient to his Father. It is prayer that set the agenda for Jesus. We read in Luke 6. We see as he gets ready to choose the chosen 12, he prayed all night. He prayed for miracles, as we see in John 11, and the prayer that enabled him to go to the cross. In Luke, he says, Father, If you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. There's a lot of books out there that can advise you on the proper way to pray. And there's a lot of books, and they're they're good books. But I want to tell you this. There's only one book, the Bible, that gives you perfect instruction on prayer. Inspirational mottos to memorize are in the Bible. Do not allow yourself to become satisfied with a shallow, self-centered praying. Stay focused with God until he leads you to prayer at the level he needs. Excuse me. He will lead us to pray for things that align with his purpose. And God will answer our prayers in a mighty way. Lorena. Prayer does not give you spiritual power. Prayer aligns your life with God so he chooses to demonstrate his power through you. Prayer has never been intended to convince God to change our circumstances, but to prepare you to be involved in his activity as he works through you. Prayer is designed to adjust you to God's will. Psalms 27 says, Some boast of chariots and some in horses. But we will boast in the name of our Lord and our God. I want to encourage you to come be with us on Monday nights. We're in here in a circle, and there's a few that are here. We pray for each other. We pray for the church. We pray for this nation. God joins us just as he does today during that prayer time. And even if you come just to hear the prayers, I encourage you to come. If you're struggling with prayer time, come talk to one of us. We'll be more than happy.
to guide you. But I want to encourage you with today, with the scriptures that has been, been read this morning, get into God's word for yourself. See what he has for you in your prayer life. Make it about him, not about you. Father, I give thanks for this opportunity to share your word, Father. If I have stepped off the beaten path, Father, please forgive me. But move the hearts of those that can hear my voice and hear your word to draw closer to you. To make it about you. To see the blessings and the love and the grace and the mercy that you have for each of us, Father. Guide us and direct us so that we can individually and then as the body of Christ bring a revival in this church. Bring a revival in this neighborhood. Make us bold enough to spread the good news of the gospel. We pray all these things in your son's precious name and all that love you say. Amen. And I pray this week is a fruitful, victorious And enjoy the week. May this day be joyable with your friends and family and enjoy your lunch. Amen. Let's finish with this. We go from glory to glory to glory.